Got a little mixer here. Helps me be all official like. Hey, well, welcome uh, here with another podcast, a very special uh, podcast today. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're watching, if it's on Facebook or iTunes. Uh, I'm very excited about what we're about to do together uh, today. This is a very special uh, speaking of podcast. I am excited to introduce my friends here with me. Uh, my co-host uh, for the day, my guy, Mr. Bradford Rogers. Let's go. He is here in the uh, studio slash my office. It's a nice studio, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Nice little spot. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, my Bradford. Sometime I'm going to get you to come back on the pod and we'll talk, oh, we'll talk about something. Uh, I would love that. Something a little more trivial like hot wings and basketball or something. But uh, <laughs> That's my love language for <laughs> sure. <laughs> today, today we got a job to do. So we do. Um, I want to introduce some people that aren't in the room, but they're they're in the conversation here uh, with me. I want to introduce the Reverend Doctor Leonard J. Anderson, pastor of the Meeting Place in Upper Hammond Plains, Nova Scotia. Uh, one of my favorite, like I'm a fan. I'm gonna I'm gonna like nerd <laughs> out here a little bit and just say I like one of my favorite preachers anywhere, but especially. Here in Atlanta, Canada, man, it is an honor to be able to have you just jump in this conversation mm, yeah, today. Honored to be here. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. Yeah, and then I've got uh, my uh, my old friend, somebody that I knew as a child. Um, we grew up uh, with uh, his family. I ha- his family is like family to me, and so uh, I have known Jeremiah my whole life. This is Reverend Jeremiah Stairs, pastor of Faith Community Church in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Uh, thanks for being with us, Jeremiah. Blessed to be here, man. Appreciate appreciate having you. Good to see you. And then yeah. uh, last but not least, the Reverend Matthew Eugene Thomas, pastor of Deepwater Dartmouth. Uh, Matt, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of years. It's been uh, it's yeah. been a privilege, and uh, I'm glad to have you on the pod today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here with all these awesome brothers. Yeah, so I, I want to jump in. We know um, the 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 reason the conversation we're about to have is is related to um, racism and and prejudice. We want to just want to just talk about it. But before we dive into that, because I really want this is about hearing from you guys. Uh, but I thought I wanted to speak to why I'm doing this to co- sort of set the table um, to why I, I felt to host this this conversation. One, I started the podcast and I wanted I was looking for good conversations to have. But the bigger reason is, uh, a few days ago I posted, I, I saw this, the, the thing that happened uh, to George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, obviously it's seen several high profile, uh, just brutal acts of, uh, of racism. Um, you know, there was the, the thing that happened in Central Park uh, last week with Amy Cooper. Just some crazy stuff. So I, I felt like I just had this had enough and I, I just posted like so many people are I just posted something on my social media just said this has got to stop and um, what struck me wasn't the uh, well obviously I was outraged and and just like appalled by what I saw I watched the video if you haven't watched the video I I, I think you should um, it's not something to turn a blind eye to but what appalled me more was after I posted it how many people that like follow my platforms or like like my channels or King's Church or whatever, how many people came to the defense of of the crime? Mm-hmm. 
And like, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, and it's, it just, it rattled me a little bit. And I started to get into the, the vortex of Facebook comments and getting my fingers ready to start having a tight fest. <laughs> and I thought, this is just not the way to, to have these conversations. And so let me, let me get something going here uh, with some friends. But it just jarred my heart how, the, the, how fast the, the regular dismissive kind of rhetoric talking points just started coming at me. You know, did you consider this? And do you know the motives behind this? And did you know, do you know maybe he was armed and all, the, all this stuff? And I just couldn't believe that. Mm. And, like, I just felt walking away from that and watching that unfold that the only thing more horrifying than these blatant acts of racism and violence is how easily some people can just push it aside. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and frankly, I'll, I'll just say, like, I've been guilty of that, too. Let me just not not just try to typecast everybody, but I'm seeing it differently now. Um, just like the the evidence of racism here uh, right in our own region. Mm-hmm. Um, the reactionary ability to just shut down and push back real evidence of racism, the inability to listen mm-hmm. um and then quickly rushing to yeah, but uh, that's that's why I wanted to do this. Um, just this inability to hear. And I recognize um, so few people like myself, I'll say, I, I grew up in Fredericton, New Brunswick. I was trying to think about this this, this morning. I didn't have any black friends until I moved to St. John. I didn't, I, like I had, I knew black people. But I didn't have anybody in my life that had a different skin color than me that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And so there was just everything was at arm's length until, yeah. you know, I got involved here at King's Church, playing the basketball league, made some friends there. Um, you know, like now I know Bradford. And when Bradford tells me he's hurting, that's different than just something I see online. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know. Not everybody has the has the has friends of the different skin color in Atlantic Canada. If you're outside of Halifax or some of some of our cities, odds are you might not have a friend, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it makes it very difficult to hear. And so my 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 hope I don't know if 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 it's if it's going to help or not, but my hope was for this conversation that that my extended friends can have a can can hear my conversation with you guys who are my friends, and maybe hear something different. Um, maybe one one step closer, one less degree of separation that might just allow um, your voice and not just your voice to be heard, but for people to think about these issues differently. Because mm. um, it wasn't until I made relationships that I started thinking about these these issues differently. Yeah. And so that's really the genesis of this conversation is to hear your story and to hear your perspective. And I hope that people watching and listening uh, just – the people who trust me can hear voices that I trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my hope. So I thought we'd start with hearing each other's stories. I'd love to hear your stories and, and just to let you speak to it. Like, I'll start with you, Lennett. You know, at what age did you realize, you know, no, I'm sure when you're two, three years old, you're getting accustomed to the world, you know, this this reality probably isn't at the forefront, but at what age as a child or even growing up, like what's your story with coming awake and aware 
to this reality, not just in the earth, not just in America, but in Canada and Atlantic Canada. Mm-hmm. Thank you, bro. And listen, before I even share a part of my story, I just want to say thank you to you, to King's Church. Thank you for giving voice to this lived reality of ours. Um, we are indebted um, and we're grateful for real allies. Uh, I, in preparing for this morning, um, someone I quote all the time, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yes. You know, he said, <laughs> silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Right. Not to speak is to speak. And mm-hmm. so brother, thank you for voice, for using your voice and your platform. My lived reality, listen y'all, I am a proud African Nova Scotian, eighth generation Canadian. Yes. This is me, right? I'm just, I just didn't arrive yesterday. And, <laughs> and so there's a, there's a history, um, a, a dark history right here in our, in our community. You said, when, do, when did I know first experience? I grew up in the uh, historic community of Upper Hammond's Plains outside of Bedford. Um, between Bedford and Tantallon, for those that want area geography, um, but even being bussed into other communities mm-hmm. for school. Okay, I, I know it was one thing to go to Hammond's Plains consolidated schools. Even the name of the school speaks of uh, segregated right. schools. Then in the late 60s, we consolidated and come, came together. Um, it was in grade three. I had a very severe uh, speech impediment. Uh, even now, if I don't get my words right in my cadence, uh, you will hear the, 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 the stutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to, to have an educator say, uh, black people talk like that. Wow. Uh, grade wow. three, mm. right? Wow. You know, being bust into Tantalon uh, for junior high. And the kids, we got along. It was the parents that did not want us being bust into their community. Um, I'm not old, y'all. I just, I have yeah. Ray, you know, this is COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 and then, and then the CPA, I, I'm being bust into the affluent town of Bedford and seeing KKK in the stairwell. Uh, I joined the military uh, in 1994, became the first, the first black officer in the wardroom wow. to have a four ringer say, who's chocolate over there? Like th- this wow. is Halifax, that corner. So, so right. to talk about our reality, bro. My grandfather, my great great grandfather, was the first to purchase land in Africville. Wow. The founder of Africville, right? And and we know that story. And so they hear the narrative that no one owned property there. Um, <laughs> that's not true. Right. But but that they came and bulldozed our homes, our wow. homestead. Wow. They promised to have. Uh, moving trucks, but they brought garbage trucks for my grandmother to put her sofa on and her, her dining room. So, so the history is multi-layered, bro. Right. But as part of my, I, I'm now raising three kids in our education system, and uh, just this year, um, just this year, my son was supposed to be learning about uh, debate, the art of debate, in grade nine, and. Uh, and was subjected to watching the great debater and had to uh, was so, was expected to view lynching in the South, you know, oh. and, and and the N word constantly. Mm-hmm. I, I I fought that battle. Right. I, I fought that in the nineties. My child is not watching this in two thousand and twenty. Right. Right. A, 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 as the other classmates um, laugh and <laughs> yeah. 
It's just, wow. you know, is that the only resource Halifax Regional School Board has on teaching the art of debating and communicating and the power of our words? Hmm. Um, you know, so anyway, that's, yeah. that's my, uh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just helpful. It's helpful, though, to it makes it it makes it real you know to mm-hmm. to hear mm-hmm. you've lived you've li- you're living through this it's not it's not some hypothetical thing exactly yeah, exactly I, I before i passed the torch when i came back to my home church at, here at emmanuel in 1999 the first thing we were fighting for um advocacy has always been in our veins but brent we had to fight for drinkable water wow just because the water was brown you know, yeah. Park Walk yeah. Watershed gives water to Bedford or to the greater HRM. We're in Park Walk, but our water is brown. You know, we had to fight for drinkable water. When the when the premier wanted to do a press conference here at the church, I called Bella Lyon because they told me to increase our bandwidth. The person came on the line and said, sorry, um, fiber off only goes as far as White Hills, not into the black community. Mm-hmm. I, I said, oh, dear, you just said that to the wrong person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, what? Can I have your name? I, I'm about to tweet something. How How are you going to be? The, the, you know, and so several weeks later, we see Bella Lyon. All the trucks are lined up on the Park Walk Road and, and Fiber Off is in, in the community. But this is what just this year I had to meet with HRM and ask them, why is the speed limit? Um, one in the predominantly white part of the road, but the moment you enter the black community, you can drive as fast as you want. Hmm. And and so uh, it was just this year that our church had to fight to get the speeding limit lowered. I, these are just cases of right. same street, same mm-hmm. street, but there's an invisible line mm-hmm. that exists. Yeah. And yeah. and how do you justify going from 50 to 80? when you're on the same road and it's just the color of my skin. Right. This is the skin that I'm in. This is our lived reality. Hmm. And many times people don't believe it because a problem is not your problem. Right. I tell it's your problem. Right. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm done. Matt, what's, what's your story, man? Like you, what's your journey? What's been your experience in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So um, I echo similar sentiments as, uh, as Leonard, some uh, I, I grew up in a historic African Nova Scotian community uh, of East Preston, <clears throat> and um, and I've had a very unique uh, experience because uh, I grew up part of my life in a black community and another part of my life in a more suburban majority white community, mm-hmm. and also I'm, I'm biracial, so my father's black, my mother's white, so that that has brought unique challenges and opportunities uh, of how I see race experience with racism. And so uh, it was definitely like growing up, uh, my, my first reality of, of kind of prejudice or racism was trying to figure out <laughs> having a black parent and a white parent, like what, what is my identity? Like, right. yeah. Some people with you, you sometimes you're around black folks, you don't feel black enough, but then you're around white folks and, you, and you're definitely not white. So so you're trying to kind of discern what what uh, mm. what is this your sense of identity? Where do you belong? And so that, that was always a, that was a challenge, especially kind of in junior high. But also I played I played hockey, so I was involved in a majority white sport, and I I encountered a lot of prejudice mm. playing from coaches, uh, from opposing players in certain communities. 
Uh, I've been called the N-word wow. on the ice many times. Wow. Uh, and I was a pretty aggressive player, so uh, they would find any any angle to try to throw me off. Uh, so that was tough. And then I've had many encounters with the police that weren't, weren't positive growing right. up. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember one time um, I was in my apartment and we were playing, I think my wife and her friends were playing like Just Dance. And we were kind of, we were being a little loud. We were in a condo and the, someone must've called the police. They came and, and me and my brother and I think another of my friends answered the door. And the, the officer, as soon as he seen me, just automatically went to very aggressive uh, language and threats and mm. saying he was going to arrest me. And, and, uh, oh. and it was just dehumanizing to experience yeah. just a, a, a request. There's no, there's no civility, no uh, de-escalation, just right. immediate. There's, just so, there's so many assumptions and prejudices and biases. When you enter a, a, a situation with when you're a person of when you're a person of color, black, because you don't get the benefit of the doubt with, with authorities most of the time. Wow. And I think that's that scene in the situation that that brought this conversation together. Right. And then the, the my most difficult experience I had, I remember uh, when I was 19, um, I was uh, at a party in an affluent majority white community. And um, a police officer, came, police officer came to to break up the the party because a, a lot of the people there were underage, and uh, and so the officer knew a lot of the residents and the teenagers that were there. And then he he approached me and and I guess he didn't like what I had to say. Uh, and and anyway, he he immediately went from we had a little bit of exchange. It wasn't it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything illegal. Um, Again, my my when I think about police, I don't think about safety or they have my best interests or are going to protect me. I just, I just don't. Hmm. I, I feel like they think I'm criminal yeah. and I have to yeah. defend myself and protect mm. myself. Not necessarily I'm going to try to be physical with police because I lose that battle, but more so just it's not. It it, it I, I assume it's going to be adversarial, wow. not collaborative or. Um, caring for the most part, at least in, in many of my experiences. And so anyway, this situation escalated and the officer told me I was under arrest and if I didn't go to the cop car, he was on pepper spray, like just that quick. And I was just in shock. And I was like, "What? please tell me what I did. And that was, I, I remember just repetitively saying, what did I do, what did I do? And so he, I could tell he was serious about his threat. So I started walking towards the car and then I remember I stopped again and I said, what did I do? And then he pepper sprayed me. Mm, and wow. um, I felt so violated and so humiliated. And even the people that were witnessing were every, it, it was like chaos. He didn't de-escalate the situation at all. It created chaos because everyone's seen that this was uh, an abuse of, of power and, and right. didn't de-escalate at all, only escalate the situation. And I was really close to following a human rights complaint um, when this happened to me. And, and, and so I've always had a contentious relationship with police. And so when, when I see things that happen on the, on the news um, and, and the incidents that happened over the last few weeks, it's, it's traumatizing. Yeah, yeah it is. And it, not, not, not only for just seeing how people are treated and, and, the, and, the, and this, the disrespect and disregard for human life, but also, you know, triggered my own experiences. Right. Mm. It's just a rush of all kinds of different emotions, anger, grief, 
disappointment, shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of cycle through a lot of that. So that's kind of where uh, my headspace has been, even coming into this conversation today and even last week. I, I had to go off Facebook because I, I, I just find it super traumatizing. Yeah, no, right. yeah, and this yeah. makes me really angry. And uh, I, 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 it just breaks my heart to see that we're in 2020. Yeah. And black bodies still don't have Any value. the intrinsic yeah. value yeah. that God has endowed on all of us as human beings. Mm. And that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I have a avoidance tendency when I'm overwhelmed. So I just, I have to withdraw myself where I'm either be in mourning and crying or I'll get angry and, and get out of my, right. my like Jesusness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to stay uh, with the character of Christ. And so right. I, I use the wisdom of, let me just delete social media right now and let mm. me just go to the Lord with my feelings. So that's, that's a little bit of my story and kind of how wow. I've been internalizing, internalizing and processing these latest events. That's so it's mad as I like. I, I imagine we're we're close in age within yeah. five years or so. Yeah. Both grew up in Atlanta, Canada. Both were probably lippy, snotty-nosed, athletic teenagers involved in sports and stick our nose out there. And like, I never had that experience. You yeah. know, like I've never, I've never had, I've never felt like, you know, like the, and, and for me to to sit here and and take my experience. And say, well, based on my experience, that's not true. When I, when you tell me your story, like I know you, right? Come on. So for sure, yeah. no, I, I I hear you, Brendan. And actually, to your earlier point, that's there's there's the trauma of seeing just the the, the vividness of of a knee on a black man's house body. Yeah, it's it's overwhelming just in itself. But to add insult to injury. It's, it's yeah. the comments. Yeah. It's that, that somehow this is justifiable from our law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. And like to me, what that says is black people do not have value in this society that yeah. we need to fall. Like for me, you know what triggers me when we say, well, we got to find the facts. There's not enough facts with a right, knee right. on a black helpless man's head. Yeah. Like, of course, I don't, I, I'm not opposed to facts, but, but to me, that, that is a, that is what, what, how I internalize that and what you're communicating is is that black life has to be just value has to be justified yeah right yeah 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 and that is heartbreaking well and the, like and the, it's, it's the brutal part of it is how many how many instances of this do we need to see like how many how many, you know for lack of a better word how many bodies until there's a there's the, there's adequate value to start asking questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, if i can jump in here i want um, share as a white guy moving to Nova Scotia in That's, grade five. I, I was going to cue you up for that. So, Jeremiah, yeah, I want your story because you need... With what Matthew said, you said something really, really key that's... I remember going to Atlanta, Georgia in Bible school and I heard Dr. Tony Evans. He said, when we deal with issues in the church, we use the word. But when we get to race, we go to sociology. Wow. Yeah. And he said, but it's a sin problem. And to what Pastor Matthew said, you know, I, I love in Psalm 8 when David is reflecting, saying, what is mind that you're, what is man that you're mindful of him? 
and the son of man. He said, haven't you made him a little lower than the angels, but it's really Elohim. Elohim. Yeah, right. He said, you crowned him with glory and honor. And to what Matthew is saying, that means that every race and every man and every woman was created in the image and likeness of God, crowned with glory and honor. Yeah. As white Christians, when we see those images, it, ha it has to have an effect in our heart or mm. something is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is somebody created in God's likeness and God's image who is being treated inhumanely. If it was an animal, there would be people that would be outraged. Hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, God, we treat our animals, we don't abuse animals, but this is someone made in the image of God, yeah. a little lower than Elohim himself, who's being treated inhumanely is the key word. It has to have an effect on us. It yeah. has to matter to us. And so to speak to my journey, when I moved here, my life changed. Hmm. Um, and it was because of relationships. Long before I had a black wife and black children, it was relationships that I built. Yeah. And one of the most primary one was uh, in high school. All, all my elementary school, junior high was diverse. Um, I went to Colonel John Stewart for my first two years, Graham Creighton, then Strawberry Board, and then Cole Harbor High, which was had just come out of a riot, um, which wasn't really a race riot. It was two people from two different communities but it's always portrayed as a race riot because wow. it was a black guy and a white guy that fought. And of course the people from their communities were white hmm. and black and hmm. they stood up for the friend, but many of them were friends later days later, but it was made to be something that it wasn't because that's what media does. Um, but in grade 12, especially I, I became very close friends with um, individual from North Preston and he who now is a preacher as well in Toronto, Javarrell Smith, Reverend Javarrell Smith. And we became very close. I ate at his table. I slept at his house. His grandmother said, you call me Nana. You're one of my sons now. Um, I worked for his uncles. I, they called me brother, cousin, just as though I fit in. But in that relationship, I experienced some things that I never would have seen with my own eyes. Stories that I hear Pastor Lennett, Pastor Matthew share that I watched and witnessed. Mm. My friend is driving my car, going to North Preston because he knew the way better. I just only been there a few times and we get pulled over by a cop the cop would not address him he spoke to me and said was i okay oh, and i'm wow. like come on yeah wow. this is, i'm fine why is he driving your car well he's my best friend we're going to his house and he knows the way are you sure you're all right and i said do i look like i'm under any distress my word you know, are you telling he's not kidnapping me this is my best friend that was just one Okay, that was one. We had a we sat at a table outside of Penhorn Mall. We're sitting at a table outside a furniture store, and a guy comes out and rips him a new one for sitting at the table, and I'm sitting there too. And I said, "But I'm sitting here too." And he says, "Be quiet. I'm talking to him." Mm. And that was the things that I saw. And I could like, I'm I'm white, but because of my relationships, I could tell you story after story after story. My wife working at a store, and a man comes in and says, "Why are you here?" It says, "No dogs allowed." Oh, She's working oh behind gosh. the counter. That's like it's not that many years ago. Mm. So for people in Atlantic Canada to say that when something happens, people are using the race card, it's because it's a reality. Right. Mm. And I remember, uh, I'll kind of end with this. I remember going to a home in North Preston and I got used to it. I was there. I was around everybody. Sometimes I forgot I looked different. I just, well, these were my, these were my family. And I walked in and this man was angry that I was coming in that house because I was white. 
And I was like, oh, I'm with him. And it got heated to the point that um, Javarro said, we got to go. Like, let's, we got to, I got to get you out of here. And I remember thinking, not that I can fully understand what Pastor Lennett and Bradford and Matthew feel, but I got a taste of what is felt when you walk in somewhere, just thinking you're going to have a good time, but because of how you look, you're immediately judged as you don't belong. And I don't want you here. And if you're here, there's going to be a problem. And it was those experiences that I couldn't, I can never forget them. Now having a son, a stepson who's black, fully black, and a son who's white and black. And knowing some of the things that happen in my city with police, and my son drives around, and I have to pray Psalm 91 all the time, that I don't go into fear, that somebody's going to pull him over that has authority and power and abuse that power with one of my sons. Mm. It's a reality, guys. You guys know this. But for those that are watching, this is real. It's really real. And it's not enough for black Christians to stand up yeah. and say something has to be done. Those that look like me, we also have to stand up and stand with those who are made in the likeness and image of God who just have a different shade of skin. That's right. We're really one race. That's right. It's from one blood. He made all races of men. But we are different ethnicities and we have different backgrounds, but we're really one in Christ. Mm. But that means... Because all lives matters, Black Lives Matter. Yes, that's right. yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. And we'll get we'll get to that because I want to I want to talk about that. But Bradford, yeah. here, to hear from you, I mean, you're you're the you're the American here. Yeah, uh, yeah. You moved you moved from Baltimore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DMV. Yep, DMV, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia. To uh, to the metropolis of Sussex, New Brunswick. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, now that's but, trauma for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so, so what? Like, tell me, tell tell me your journey with this, because yeah, know, for sure. How how like, you know, well, one growing growing up in this reality, but then also moving moving from America, which as Canadians, you know, all of us can. It's it's easy to dismiss this as an American issue. Sure, sure. And yet sure. you've you've lived it in both countries. Yeah speak to that yeah no for sure um i'm a bit younger than all of you so uh i don't have a lot of experience but um i was raised always to be aware of the fact that um i may be less than because of my skin color and so my mother raised me to uh to work hard and to really prove my worth because of the fact, because of the idea that no matter what circle you're in, uh, they're going to assume that you are like the weakest link or they're going to assume that you're not the smartest or that you're not the brightest. And so I was raised to really prove that uh, because of my blackness uh, that I am, that I am smart and that I am can speak right and speak, you know, speak correctly and that I can dress well. And so when we moved to Sussex, it was a culture shock. Uh, you know, like you walk in a store and, you know, people are staring at you. Uh, I had a, uh, a uh, employee once just fo- like follow me from aisle to aisle to aisle to make sure that I didn't, you know, steal anything. Uh, and then I married a white woman. And so that that brought a lot of scrutiny and a lot of uh 
labeling and and of course we have four children and two of which are are boys and uh like my son was playing soccer one day and he had a four-year-old uh kid uh you know say the n-word to him and so now i have to explain to my son that even in sussex new brunswick and because of his skin color uh that there's a stigma and that he has to learn and be taught uh how to act around white people so that he's not seen as a threat wow. you know um and so it's real and um a lot of the excuses of not you know speaking about this is because it's awkward and i think we need to get rid of the stigma of that it's awkward because uh, nobody you know died of awkwardness <laughs> right um and so yeah it's it's real and then moving here to hampton and quispam sis you know, we were walking uh, th- through my son's school, and we noticed there's no black person there. Um, and my wife begins to just shed a tear, knowing that the idea is that my son will like, like, like he's the only one, and now he has to learn how to how to defend and how to hold himself well. Mm. Um, and uh, it's a scary world, mm. scary world, and. Um, uh, that's life yeah man just it's what's what's also scary Brent is that you know a lot of you guys are talking about your children and I'm sad to say my children have been with me on several occasions Um, I I hear comments about being stopped driving while black and when I was giving voice to that reality before it was like Leonard you're the bad driver you know, it's obviously you're, you're speeding, you're all over the road or something. Something is happening. Why this is happening to you, you know, um, and 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 to see my son, um, there was one experience where we were at a red light. And when the light turned green, you know, I, I start to proceed and then woo, 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 pull over for speeding. Mm. <laughs> and Micah looked at me, he said, speeding from 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 a red light, you know, and and, and I said, Papa, don't worry about it. And I just took the the ticket and he looked at me and said, you're paying that? Mm. And in that moment, I said the case that she said, Leonard, you're going to have to fight. You have to give voice. There was something of of how, what are we teaching our children? You know, even if, if we don't teach them advocacy and the fight for their rights and that they deserve better than this. And and it wasn't until the report came out here in Nova Scotia that, that people said, Oh, you're not paranoid. Oh, it's not just up in your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, because before it was just, you need facts in order to validate your experience. Mm -hmm. You know, it took a report. I've been trying to tell you this has been our lived reality that 2.8% of the population gets stops 40% or make up 40% of the RCMP stops. You know, how is 2.8? I'm not a mathematician. I don't have a math degree. But that doesn't add up to me. 2.8 makes up 40% of your stops. And how are we even in education? How are people of color, our black learners, leading in IPPs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are these, you talked about going in the store, man. I know what it is to be in Bedford Place Mall, Sunnyside Mall. Uh, you know, you're, you're in Sobeys, you hear aisle 13. You look up, you're the only one in yeah, aisle 13. Yeah. I've been there. Right, yeah, and, and our kids are saying, Dad. And so um, I, I thank God that although I went to, um, CPL and in Bedford, I had a lot, you know, 
my best man, Jimmy Chow, was Chinese, and another was Ukrainian. But I'm sad to say, brothers, those are the friends I hung out with in the mall mm. so that I wouldn't be stopped. I knew if I took my cousins, my boys from Upper Hammers Plains, our bags were checked. And so they called me Oreo. I was black on the outside, white on the yes. inside. I, I only hung out with my Asian friends, too. my Ukrainian friends, my Italian friends. But when I hung out with them, I didn't get in trouble with them all. Nobody stopped me. Nobody frisked me. Nobody was searching my school bag. Oh, wow. You know, and so this is this is this is not made up stuff. This yeah. is this is real. Yeah. 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 And it's your it's it's your experience and it's your story. And, and again, like, I think that relationship of, you know, Jeremiah, what you share was so powerful. Like, I know I, like, this is my friend and I'm experiencing this with him. And like to hear your, like, I can't argue, I can't argue with your, it's not been my experience, but I can't argue with yours. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk, let's talk about like, let's break down this kind of the reality of racism. I mean, we, we've established that you guys have all lived it in, in, um, but I got thinking about it, and, and I don't know if I said this to you, Leonard, or, or one of you is, and when we were texting, just, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I realize, like, I think I don't think racism is necessarily like a a black, like, to use a better, like, like a better word, but like a black and white issue in the sense of, like, it's all or nothing. Like, it's, it's either on or off. Like, I, I, I suspect, like, I have prejudices. I have there are, and I think that's what some of the things that are happening when you see a lot of the police violence is, is it's exposing, it's actually exposing a prejudice of an otherwise person who might not actually have known that was even in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the, the conversation I would have is, my, again, correct me if I'm wrong, my sense is in Atlantic Canada, um, as far as like the the primary problem might not be like the a huge volume of people who are outright, alt-right kind of just full-on haters. Um, my my suspicion is the, the issue is twofold. You have the people who, for some reason that they haven't uncovered, they, they hit, they're the suppressors. Mm-hmm. They, they push back against your story and they say, well, what about this? And what about this? And did you get all the facts? And like, there's the, the kind of the usual suppressive rhetoric that people kind of something flares up in, in, in us that says, well, that can't be true. Cause I didn't experience that. And maybe, maybe you're just, you're just crazy. Maybe you're just experiencing it. Maybe the cop just pulled you over. There's that kind of suppressive component. There's that, there's that type of person. We, and I've seen them on my Facebook page this week. Then there's also though, and I think this is the majority is the silent, the silent people like, like myself really like that just, I see these things, my heart breaks for it, um, but I don't say anything. And, you know, what what would you say if you could speak to the person who's quick to just suppress the data and to, or like to try to, to come back and just say, yeah, well, did you, it's not systemic and, you know, did you consider this and, you know, did you get all the facts? What would you say to the, the one that's like prone to suppress the conversation and what would you say to the person who's just prone to be silent about it? They just they just are quiet. Yeah. I think again, if I I would have to peel back just and and, and, and offer just some fundamental concepts. 
And so I think you you can't you you might as a suppressor you might deny a systemic um, uh, influence in a in an incident, uh, but I, but to really be able to understand racism and prejudice and stereotypes and discrimination, you have to understand the systemic systemic racism. You have to understand systemic discrimination. Your oh, unwillingness to understand the history in the in the systematic ways people are marginalized and oppressed. Um, to me, if you're not willing to do that, then it's it's hard to even. It's, it's like a hard 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 hardened person. Right. The scripture mm-hmm. talks about somebody mm-hmm. who's just blind. I don't think you could convince them of anything. Yeah, if no, that suppressor sure. type, if, if that's there, there's something wrong with their hearts. Mm-hmm, that, yeah. That's what I would say. But you you have to understand systemic racism. A lot of these incidents that we talked about, even our own through our own lived experience, are really byproducts of systematic issues. For yeah. example, I don't think the police are bad. I think there's amazing police officers right, that right. serve. I have respect for people who put their lives on the line to right. to, to serve community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But the problem is that is they're they're systemically structured to profile. And uh, uh, black people, yeah. it's a systemic issue. They're trained. Police officers are trained into doing that. That's it's, it's a. I, I've studied criminology in my undergraduate work. I know that, you know, police even call it a, a sixth sense to, to to profile people, and and also um, in, in the legal system or education system, the, these incidents are just um, manifestations of systemic injustices wow. that exist, wow. and so we we we. We historically need to understand those 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 threads to be able to to look at present day incidents like the one that happened in Minneapolis. So that's the first thing I would say. Secondly, is is to your point, we, we all have biases, like we all do. So it's it's right. internalizing and kind of checking what 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 are my assumptions about what I right. think about black yeah, people, sure. what I think about Asian people, for what sure. I think about women, or what I think about men. I think it's just healthy that we be uh, intuitive and introspective. That we it, it's okay to be ignorant, like in, in terms of acknowledging that we all have ignorances. The problem is when we think we believe those ignorances are reality, and, and how the, the lens by which we see people and, and act on those things becomes where it moves from just a, a, an honest ignorance to to a prejudiced, discriminatory action. Right. And so, to the suppressor, I would say. I don't know. I need grace for them. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's somebody who, whose heart is hardened, in my opinion. Yeah. And 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 I don't think. I, I don't. I think if if there's any hope, you have to dialogue with them kind of one on one and start some type of relationship. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the, the means of social media or bantering back and forth, right. you're not you're not going to see it from no. each other's perspective. It's not helpful, unfortunately, no. to the silent person, I would say, uh, as a Christian. If we let's if put this put it in a Christian context, we're not only justification isn't only part of our faith, which we're 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 we're, we're made right uh, through Christ. We're made right. We're 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 justified. We're we're reconciled back to God through Jesus. It's it's an act of grace, and and our, it takes our faith. It's not by works, as we know that, as Paul says. So so we understand justification, but we also have, have to understand that justice is core to the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not only the restoration of individuals, the restoration 100%. of our society that that our society exists in in in, a, in, in strongholds and principalities, and, and Satan is the god of systems. Right. And yeah. so we have to tear those things down, not only individually but societally. And so we have a responsibility. This is not a choice that may. Yeah. I, I guess the social justice type, like maybe leftist Christians, will do that type work, and I'll just kind of be over here focusing. No, we have to 
eliminate these false dichotomies that right. we create mm-hmm. uh, about our faith. Like justice is is, yeah. is, 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 is is essential to our faith, our belief, yeah. even even our model in Christ. Yeah. And so, so like anything that challenges us in, in our faith to obedience to God, it really comes down to a choice. I do feel like I, it, it's contentious. I understand you're talking about racism. It, it's contentious. Yeah, no, it, sure. I, and, and I know from a, a, talking to white people, being in relationship with folks, I know sometimes it's like it's an unwinnable battle uh, because, you know, I feel like I'll be misunderstood or people claim that I'm racist because maybe I say something ignorant, even though I'm really trying to learn. And so sometimes white people have a hard time, you know, like how can they, add voice or add perspective or add the right, um, I guess, impact that, that, that doesn't deter the, the, the cause, but can add value to it. I think that's, I, I get that that's mm. a tough tension to mm-hmm. walk in. Yeah. And so I understand why one would be silent because they, they, they don't know what to say or how to say it or the, or the fear of being misinterpreted, but it's like anything in our faith. How many times do we have to do things that are inconvenient? For the right. sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the 100%. sake of being obedient, yeah, it always causes us to be uncomfortable and be stretched. And and I would say, God just wants your willingness. Right. It's not about getting it right. I think the silent person don't worry about getting it right or trying to solve or save this issue. You don't need to do that. You can't do that. No. That's not what God's asking you to do. Yeah. That's not what Black people want you to do. As a matter of fact, sometimes that savior complex, this right. white savior yes. complex, is, is, is offensive because yeah, it is offensive. that's not that's not how the, this problem is going to be fixed. That's right. not how what it means to be an ally. Uh, right. So, so I think wow. to to the to the silent person, it's is the gospel compels us to speak. Right. Right. Yeah. On, on one level, right. and then on another level is just <clears throat> having empathy, like care, yeah. like you know. How would you care about someone who was who was raped, or yeah. how would you care in other types of victimization, or or human sex trafficking, or uh, abortion, yeah. or other other uh, human uh, issues that you know a lot of times, uh, from my perspective, the majority kind of gets behind those justice types of issues and will speak on those things. But but in the same way, have that empathy and that care and that concern for mm-hmm. for how all God's people are impacted. Yeah. And, and, and just, it, it's really, it takes courage. Yeah, it takes right. courage. Silent person, right. I pray courage and boldness yeah, yeah. Courage. in your own way. You don't have to save the world, but is there something little that you can do? Uh, even if it's just being intentional, about maybe getting to know someone that's different or yeah. I don't know, but it, being silent is, as you said, Lennon, is it, still saying something that is counter to the, the love uh, of seeing justice in our world. Like Matt, what you said there about like just the, the heart of the gospel like you can't you can't how a christian can't watch the the eight minute video of what happens to george floyd mm-hmm. with the heart of christ and the mind of christ and and like if if you're a christian and you're trying to defend that and that doesn't doesn't stir something in you there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. Like the the like like John John would say the love of God is not in you, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't know how else to say that like there's the heart of Christ has to respond to that yeah that's the God the gospel is like the blood of Christ is responsive to that exactly you know I think of when Jesus said he desired mercy and not sacrifice and mercy being compassion so as a believer how can we not have compassion for injustice 
Um, you know, one of my favorite sayings that Dr. King said was, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Yeah, right, everywhere. Yeah. So I agree. I I speak to what Matthew said, and I agree. We cannot be silent. It, no, it silent cannot. is saying something. And, you know, I think that for a lot of white people, um, because they don't have a relationship with anybody that looks different than them, they don't know what to say sometimes, they don't know how to react or they feel indifferent, but that that is a problem. Right. Um, one of the things that has, that transformed me is again, relationships, yeah. it's relationships. When you get, when you build a relationship with somebody, you bleed red, just like they do, yeah, you, exactly. you know, you feel just like they do and you, and you see their pain and their experience. And I, I've, I like to challenge people that are white because one of the ways that I want to make a difference is I've got to influence people that look like me that don't get it mm. because um, I have that yeah. opportunity to do so. So when I build relationships with people that are black, I have, there's people, I don't want to name their names. There's some people I know that are, they've been really hurt. Like they almost look at me as like, you're a white guy I can handle, but overall I can't really deal with a lot of white people mm. only because I've earned their trust in a relationship. Mm. But I also, and sometimes white people don't get this, but I get this person I'm thinking about why she feels that way. You know, I want her to see me as an individual, but I get the pain that she's been through from the so negative after negative after negative experience mm. that that person has been through. So when they say some things to me like about it, I get it. And again, I, you can only get it in relationships. And that's where I feel like in the kingdom, we have to build relationships. Right. Yeah, we have absolutely. to be the image of God that says we are united. You know, we're coming to Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit was poured out because they were in unity and harmony. And he, they spoke in all these languages yeah. and the gospel goes into all of the earth. All flesh. You know, all yeah. the earth. Yeah. And so um, when we come together. You know, they say that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours of the week. It is. 100%. 100%. But, but I'm sure, and maybe Leonard Matthew, but imagine I understand for some of my black friends why it's even hard to go to a church where the pastor's white. Mm. Because they feel like I got to support, I got to, because of if there's, like Matthew said, you got to understand history in order to, to understand the systemic and the things that are legitimately there. It's real. Mm. And if you don't, take the time to understand history it's really hard to have the empathy and compassion that we have to have for one another and for those that are of a minority you know we're speaking to the black and white issue but there's the native issue right in our yeah, in our 100%. in our uh, maritime provinces man i hear some ignorant things said about that right. again because not understanding yeah. Yeah. You know, not understanding what they went through and what the, the land that was stripped from them. Right. And these things to me, they are the heart of God. His mm -hmm. heart is for all of us to be his children. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 But, but what do you say to the, what do you say to the, the silence? Bro, listen, um, honestly, when you called me earlier this week and I just uh, read your voice note, I, uh, I, I read your text. I responded with a voice note mm -hmm. thinking I should have texted you back because my voice was cracking mm -hmm. as I was, I, I was so moved that um, someone that doesn't look like me yeah. is willing to speak. Mm -hmm. The silence has been deafening mm -hmm. and it's been hurtful. Mm 
Yeah, very hurtful. And for someone that has a kingdom mentality, I believe in kingdom connections. I want to be connected. I will preach in any denomination. Listen, I will travel. I I believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, mm-hmm. one God who's above all in all. This is I, I believe that the mosaic is the heart of the Father. And and, and yet you're doing all of this kingdom work and then here is nothing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you less than ten of my non-black pastor friends have reached out in this time and and you being one and and so i affirm you i i thank god for for you using your privilege and your platform to give truth to this and 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 i believe that's what being an ally is it's Mm -hmm. it's is when um it's up to the majority culture to help the minority culture it's Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's using your spheres of influence because, as I said earlier, problems aren't problems until they're your problem. Mm, but yeah, but we'll true. never correct what we don't confront. Right. And I'm here to tell you that as diverse as our country is, <laughs> countless racialized people continue to experience the devastating effects of racism and being marginalized and segregated in our society. This is not a United States reality only. Mm-hmm. This, you know, and, and I love uh, reading scripture and seeing that we have a savior that ran to the margins. He ran to the marginalized, those that were ostracized, those that were racialized. I don't know how you read the Holy Writ right. and don't see the justice that Matthew was talking about. Yeah. You know, if you don't like the New Testament examples, then, then you have the Micah example. You know, I have taught you, old man, what is right. <laughs> but the do justly, mm. right? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Mm. I love Amos. Oh, that righteousness will flow down like yes. a, there's a, you know, how do you read Isaiah chapter one? Defend, stand on the right, stand for the cause. The, 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 mm. We have to give voice. The church has lost its prophetic voice. Yeah. Mm. And we are saying nothing, nothing. And I, I don't know I don't know what it's gonna take for the church to be the church. Right. But but maybe it's conversations like this where we will regain our prophetic voice and speak. I this is Pentecost Sunday, but remember Ezekiel thirty seven, he said, Can you speak to the bones? Mm-hmm. And then can you speak to the wind? That it may come. And so we need to say, God, breathe on us again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until we address the mess, listen. <laughs> yeah. I love the the quote that um, I think it was Will Smith that said this week. That was just mm. so. It's not getting worse. Yeah, it's just it's getting, getting filmed. filmed. Yeah, man. Yeah, mm. But what like? So let me let me ask this question like like humbly, you know, for for most white people they don't have a platform like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they so so at best most of them feel like I can share something on Facebook. Like and and reality is. Man, there's just so little ability to hear anything different than your preconceived ideas on social media. It's just a big echo chamber is all it is a lot of yeah. the time. So, like, how do we go beyond, how do we go beyond, you know, just sort of superficial, you know, share, sharing a post? Like, because I, I, I can understand, Matt, even when you said, like, just, like, how it might even feel when all of a sudden all these white people who have been quiet – just when people start sharing certain certain Facebook posts and stuff, oh, all of a sudden, oh, easy for you, easy for you to click share. You know, like, 
how do we go yeah. how do we go past just kind of superficial social media posts and and like I don't know bring this bring this further than that can go I don't, I don't does, that, does that make sense yeah that makes sense I, I think that's a, a great question Brent and and in conversations I have um, that that's a, a lot of times where a lot of my white friends and colleagues yeah, are at true. like they they want to do something they they have a desire to uh, fix the problem they recognize that a problem does does exist that that the gospel calls us to 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 speak into i think the challenge is is that um yeah I, to be honest with you i think a lot of this work is not necessarily the share on facebook but it's it's the it's the introspective reflective yeah, yeah, internalizing right. mm-hmm. yeah i good. mean it's it's discipleship yeah wow it's yeah. it's you know like God, what is in me that is is prejudice against other people, wow. or, or, yeah. or I'm afraid of them, or yeah. Lord, what is what you know? Kind of just starting with God and just asking Him to search our hearts. And I know that sounds super spiritual, but I really think that fundamentally we we need a heart shift yeah, to so really good. and not be a superficial or a token gesture, right? But an actual. Right you know, gospel response because it's welling up in our hearts right. unto mm-hmm. eternal Good life. Word. You Good know, word. I think that's what, you know, I would start first. And yeah. even if, you know, from there you're, you're looking to, to do something. I, I had a, a pastor friend just, one, one thing I, I could just say practically is if you're connected to black people, when these types of incidents happen, we, we all get impacted and are traumatized. Mm-hmm. And so one thing about black people is they're, they're, they they think more collectively. Mm. So it's not, I find the majority of cultures very individualistic. So, and this mm. is sometimes the, the, the disconnect of why problems affect a whole race of people versus that. That was just Mr. Floyd who got, sometimes white people see it that way. That right, was just Mr. Right. Floyd that got isolated incident murdered. Yes. Yeah. Right. Versus black, black reality as a, as a whole historic narrative that we're, we're now reliving all of it again. Right. And so I think understanding that and then therefore that that should cause just say like I had a couple of friends just say, hey, man, how are you doing with all this? I know you're a Canadian in Nova Scotia and that was in the States. But understanding that that, that collective trauma to just just care, say, are you good? Like, how are you feeling? Uh, I think yeah. that goes a long way. And I, I don't know if my, my brothers would agree with that sentiment, oh, but that yeah. is absolutely something that just really small gesture. Like it doesn't have to be a social media yeah draw attention towards it. Yeah. Just send a DM, yeah. send a text. Yeah. I see Make you. A call. For sure. You know, for sure. I see you. I see what's going on. Are you good? And yeah. and I think just those little gestures, they build momentum and they build trust. Wow. And then you know, we know how God works. He takes those kind of humble beginnings. And then all of a sudden that's how maybe broader or bigger solutions are manifested because we, we, we're actually building relationship. We're actually that's building right. force. Yeah. And then, you know, God blows his wind on that. Next thing you know, you see uh, more, a greater, you know, impact that happens. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's just having that, that, that searching our hearts, it's kind of knowing where we're at, but from a real kind of practical, what, what can I do? I yeah. think that type of gesture is meaningful. Yeah. And I think people have to be willing to share the burden, you know, like I think of like the Genesis narrative where, you know, uh, the Lord said, hey, where are you and where's your brother? You know, <laughs> and I think of those are the two questions that you have to ask yourself is, OK, so where are you? Where's your heart? 
where are you and where's your brother? Because the reality is George Floyd is my brother. He's your brother. And I think we have to choose and make the decision to search ourselves and to share the burden. See, this this whole race thing is not the burden of just black people, right? Mm. Things will move and things will change and things will reconcile when we all share the burden, mm. that this is our burden. And, and it's Good when word. white friends and white pastors can stand up and say, this is this is hurting me too, right? And like you said, Matt, like that's huge when – when you can text me and say, hey, I'm I'm grieving with you. I'm weeping with you. And when you can step in my narrative and step in my story and begin to maybe confess some of your own stuff, maybe your own biases and your own prejudice and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The quicker we repent of those things, the quicker we can move like, towards reconciliation. Right. Good, bro. Right. You know? Uh, so, so where are you and where's your brother you know because that's because that's my responsibility you know and that's why i'm so excited for this platform because collectively we're we're joining forces to strongly condemn any form right. of discrimination and racial injustice and together we're raising our voice i mean even if we challenge people to have a time of prayer on Sunday. We're, this is Sunday where the where the Spirit came, gave birth to us, you know. And mm. and but do we need God to breathe afresh again, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, to sure. to um, to breathe life on our on our dead dreams or our dead practices or our formalities. God, you know, we don't want to have a form of godliness and deny the power. So quicken us by your spirit, right? right. God, fall on us and and heal our land. You know, I quote 2 Chronicles all the time. If my people, Bradford, you talk about confess the sin, confess the heart. But if we confess the sin, you know, he said, I will hear from heaven. I will heal the land. Yes. But there has to be a turning from our wicked ways. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to just pick up one more thing that came to mind, and this is kind of building off what Jeremiah said. Um, you know, if there is a, a, a white Christian brother or sister listening, I think one of the, beyond what I just said about first starting internally, but again, another kind of practical thing is, is make make it uncomfortable when you're in settings with, with people that look like you, make it uncomfortable when people are ignorant. Right. And challenge them. I think that's where actually white people can have the greatest influence. Yeah. Challenging your peers, challenging your families, challenging your brothers and sisters in Christ. When don't let it be so comfortable that you can just spew ignorance right. and that it's okay. And even if you're when you're silent about it, you're co-signing that, even if you don't. Yes. So um, make sure that again, as Christians, we know when we're around people that aren't believers. We can get uncomfortable when we come around because we carry the light. We yeah. carry the presence. The hope of glory, which is That's Christ right. Jesus, and that can bring hope right. to people, but it also can bring tension yes. and challenge. Right. I mean, we all right. know, especially as pastors, as soon as we say we're pastors, people just switch right up. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. but in the same way, I think as white people, it should be that same kind of uh, uh, power that that disseminates and 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 in a certain ethic that you carry that it's not safe and yeah. so should be uncomfortable yes. right. you know, willingness yes. to challenge right. ignorance because yeah, that's, that's where i think white people have the most influence within their own communities yeah. and i think where where they can i think they could they could add perspective by having those tough 
conversation amongst themselves. Mm. Yeah. Remember, it only takes a spark. That's Go right. ahead, Jay. And expose uh, it. Expose it. I remember in junior high, it's Robert Borden. Um, we were on the basketball team. So majority of the team was was from North Preston, and then it was three white guys. And there was a group of white guys that were close with Were you one of those white guys? I was, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he can hoop, man. Right, Bala, Bala, you back a Bala? Then, back, back then, this white man could jump. Hey, hey, come hey, on, hey, come, on. He could. come on. He has some hang time. But, um, he has a testimony. Uh, I remember sitting in the locker room, and all the all the guys from North Preston had left, and one of the guys dropped the N word, who was supposed to be friends with two of the guys from the team, and I said, "What did you just say?" And I spoke up to it, and I got blasted for being an N lover. <laughs> because I was taken up from my friends that weren't there. Wow. That was another eye-opening experience. Now, I remember reading, although he was not a Christian, I remember reading Malcolm X's autobiography, and he said, if you want to make a difference as a white person, the most powerful thing you can do is do exactly what Pastor Matthew just said, is challenge it when there's no one around. So because I'm white, people don't know who my wife is. They don't know who my friends are. They don't know who my children are. Mm -hmm. And I hear things. But when I speak to it, so it good. is uncomfortable in the room. So yeah. But if I don't speak to it, I am, I agree with, you're co-signing right. that. Yeah. When we sit 100%. there as a white person and we listen to an off-color joke or whatever, and we, we don't say anything, listen, the way I look at it is, if you guys know me, I am bold. If you want to make the comment, sorry if I make you uncomfortable when I challenge you. You started the ball rolling by making a racist comment. And especially if you're a believer, mm-hmm. come on, I, ca- I cannot be silent because how could I say I have a, I value Pastor Lennon, I value Pastor Matthew, I value Bradford, I value my own wife, my children, my friends, and sit there and be silent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have the Huge. boldness of the Lord to right. say, this is, this is wrong, guys. This conversation is wrong. And even on another level, when I'm in a situation, I've had this with family. Um, extended where they where some of these events happen and they say oh you know you don't know what happened you don't this and that and I challenge them because that is where I agree as a white person I can actually make the biggest impact mm. yeah yeah so good yeah That's right. taking responsibility for the energy you bring the space yeah. to the room yeah. to the space That's everyone's right. not going to have a platform on social no. media no. but right. we have influence right in our circle That's good so yeah. you know make sure that you don't tolerate <laughs> but celebrate diversity celebrate the unity in the family of god i i love it so yeah. good. good story jeremiah what good story. i i could keep you guys on here all day this has been this has been so so rich and helpful and, and i appreciate you just the time and the heart you're putting into this um I, I don't want to leave this conversation without speaking to hope and redemption and reconciliation. I mean, we are all gospel guys and I look at the complexity. I hear, I hear the pain in your voice. I look at the complexity of the situation, uh, the layers, the systems, the it's, it, and short of the gospel, short of, short, short of the kingdom man, like there's some, some things that maybe we can do as a society that's going to make it a little bit better and stuff. But without those, those heart changes and like the kingdom of God coming and the spirit unifying, like this is a pretty hopeless conversation. Yeah. Mm. Um, but 
I want to, I want to speak. I want to prophesy. I want to speak to hope. I want you to speak to it even. Um, you know, and I had a question just like, what do you think the spirit, what is, what would Jesus say? Let's go, let's go with the black community first. Like let's the, the hurting black community, uh, the riots are happening in Minneapolis. You, you see that and you're like, I get it, man. I understand. I can, I can put myself there. Like you're not being heard. You're not being heard. Civility's not working. Rage. And if that doesn't make sense to you at some level, uh, again, I think there's a heart, a heart thing going on, but I don't know that that's a, that's not, a, that's not a kingdom building solution. Mm. Um, so you know, what, what do you think Jesus would say? Two questions, and I think this can kind of help us come in for a landing. What would Jesus say to the hurting black folks who aren't being heard? And then what would he say to uh, white people who aren't listening? We do not have a high priest who is not touched with our grief. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. He's mindful of us. We have a sympathizing Savior. Mm -hmm. He weeps. Just like he weeps over Jerusalem, he weeps over us. You know, for God so loved the world, he didn't die for this. Mm. (laughs) You know, for this tragedy. And and, and so I I would speak... That, that he's mindful of us and that we have a God that is greater, greater than what the enemy means for evil. I would talk about even when he comes in like a flood, God raises a standard on our behalf. We, you know, he is a very present help in our time of trouble. I don't use that as a crutch, but mm. that's the, without hope, I'm a person most miserable. We are a people most miserable. Our hope has to be that he's still the author of this story. Yes. And God's about to flip this script, right? Yes. He's about to heal oh, our land. He can oh, breathe new life into these done. dying situations. Yeah. And because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself and has given us this ministry. So that's our word. That's our word. This is our time. If I was talking to non-black folk, let your light so shine. That would be my word that Jesus would say, turn on the lights. Come on, we're surrounded by darkness. We're engulfed in darkness. This world is sick. We need the bomb of Gilead to come. Let your light so shine, the light of hope and inspiration and unity and equity. Hey. Let your light yeah. shine. Yeah. Mm. I think what, what was said already um, to say to my black brothers that I bear your burden. Yeah. Um, to those that are hurting to say, we get your pain. To those that are angry, I get your anger. I understand it. To those that uh, that are even rioting, I, you feel that your your voice is not heard, and it's desperation. Um, but to speak a rhema word of God of healing and hope and restoration that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of what we can't see right now, that there is a word from God. His power all through history, God's spirit has brought people together. Azusa Street, revival after revival, where blacks and whites came together. 
because because of the unity of the spirit we need a move of god Mm. and we need a heart we need heart change we need the holy spirit to penetrate the hearts of some that are different that are white we need god's power to to be able to work and sort this out how do we stay united how do we stand for those that look like us but also stand in as a as a person in the body of christ how do i defend and stand and bear the burden of those who look different than me but also create unity and harmony only Mm -hmm. the spirit can do that Mm -hmm. only the word of god only heart change and so Mm -hmm. my prayer for us is that in the midst of this tribulation and trial that god's glory will be seen it's in the times of trouble that the light can shine the brightest so i believe as we come together in things like this and we call on the name of the lord together we address the issues and we address the hard hearts and we speak to those principalities and powers and we stand in god's authority and power that we can see our land healed that we can see revival and we can see the healing of uh the healing of the nations that's That's right that's right and there will be a day sorry no you go matt Okay. Uh, yeah, I would totally echo what Len and Jeremiah have already said. And I would just add, if I'm talking to my uh, Black brothers and sisters, I, w- I would just really remind them that um, that God loves them, mm. that they, they are the Imago Dei, that they are image bearers, that mm. although they're, they're dehumanized in society and, and, and by these acts, that does that that does not devalue them, that God loves them, died for them. Jesus Christ came to die for them, uh, that they are sons and daughters of the most high. Yeah. Right. Uh, I would just drill who they are in Jesus Christ, yeah. despite what the world tries to communicate. Because black people really internalize these things and it, it shapes who they are and they see themselves less than. And that's such a, that breaks my heart probably the most. Mm-hmm. And it's even dehumanized me in some things I have to wrestle with to, to, to see myself as God does. God does. So I would drill that of how much God loves them and how much value they have, yeah. even though the society in which they live may not understand and appreciate and honor that value. If I was speaking to, to my white brothers and sisters and just us as a church, I would I would quote Paul in Ephesians that the walls of hostility have come down mm-hmm. uh, by the gospel. There, there is no more walls. And, and I also prophetically would say, what a witness it would be to an unbelieving world who tries to also solve these problems, but I don't think have the solution. We, we actually have the solution. Amen. We, we have it. We not only the solution, we have the mandate. We have the scripture. We have the truth of how to do it. So if we actually took that serious and, and there was a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do such, what a witness that is to an unbelieving world yeah. that, that we, we want to see diversity. We want to see unity, but it's only made possible through Christ. Not only do we just say that in, in our, our words, but in our deeds, we start to demonstrate that in our world and yeah. our communities. What, what a witness that is. Hey, yeah. I, I think that's when you'll start to see true repentance and people yeah. backsliders coming, yeah. <laughs> prodigals coming Let's back go. and yeah. people who are far from God starting to say, cause, cause that is such a powerful example to to our world to see the church yeah. actually unified across yes. socioeconomic statuses across our racial divides the so i just think yeah. there's such a, a, a prophetic um 
potential to, to uh, of, of witnessing and evangelizing and just demonstrating. I know we're in the here and now, but not yet. But even in the here and now, getting a, a foretaste. Yes. Uh, what what that would do to not only to the church, but how that bride would become the light of the bride would become so much more shinier and attractive. Yes. And I think would draw people in, in supernatural ways. Uh, and 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 I. I sense that God is up to something. Oh, yeah, that's 100%. He's doing it. You, you guys have all spoken so eloquently. I would, I would say as a, a white person to answer those questions um, to my black friends, I would say um, I can't identify explicitly with what you're going through, um, but I hear you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I, and Leonard said it, um, my savior is your savior and he is a sympathetic high priest. I can empathize. Yeah. He yeah. can sympathize. He actually suffocated on the cross. Like, yeah. mm. Mm. you know, so yeah. cling to him. Don't cling, don't cling to how many white people come to the table. I pray that lots, lots do, but yeah. I mean, he's he's our hope, and he's the one um, who understands what it is to be marginalized more than more than anybody, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be oppressed, and right. and what hope to know just he's been there, and he came and he came through it in victory, mm-hmm. and to look not just to the fact, look back to say we serve a king who gets it, but there's there's a king who's gonna get his, yeah, and. Revelation 7 shows me that every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will gather around him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, stake your hope there. I, I, you know, I do agree, Matt. I think I think we're at a turning point, and I think that God is up to something. I think the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is Pentecost weekend. I think, I think there's a there's a. It's 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 speeding up. It's expanding, and you're seeing you're seeing just. The frequency pick up and it's like this is getting that we're not escaping this and I feel mm. like the Lord is behind this and I feel like the Lord is moving these conversations to the forefront and causing people like me this just to, to to feel it more than I felt it mm. um, and so I, I think that's happening right now I'd say to my white friends I would say you need you need relationships and to hear and then to realize uh, that these that the that these these issues are real, um, and then repent, and and own your own ignorance. Like, um, mm. real, just realize it. Like, and it's maybe if we could confront the lie. Um, I think I think, and this again is a gospel issue. I think a lot of white people like myself don't want to admit that I might have some some prejudices because it speaks it speaks to a lack in me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so if I admit that, then, there, then I'm admitting there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do with that. But the gospel sets me free of that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Let's absolutely. go. So, Brett, I, I would even speak to the children of God and say, because Matthew talked so much about knowing your worth. Yes. And, 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 and yes, worthy is the lamb, but he saw us as worthy. And, and, and my value does not decrease 
based on someone's inability to see my worth. He yeah. saw my worth, yeah, right? That's right? And and that we have a treasure in earthen vessels. So even in my brokenness, there's a rich deposit on the inside of me. And that even as you said to the people that feel to admit that I'm struggling or that I have a heart issue, all of us are clay. I said yeah. two Sundays ago, I'm clay and that's okay. Listen, <laughs> keep me in the potter's hands. I want to be molded Amen. again. Make me over again, God. Yeah. I can bring my mm. brokenness and put it on display. Yes. Uh, my plead would be that our society is stay in his hands. Yeah. Let the Lord mold you again because you said on this Sunday is Pentecost. Listen, there was a voice. There was a sound that came to the earth on Pentecost. Voices, tongues of fire. Yes. And, and so... We are breaking the silence. The enemy gets his way when we remain silent. Yes. But on Pentecost, may there be a sound in the earth. Come on. May this Sunday, yes. may voices, may tongues declare the truth of our reality that we are the redeemed. Amen. We're bought with a price. We know our worth. worth. Yeah. And so I say, let's silence the enemy. Let's speak. Let's speak truth. Let's speak in our areas, our fears, our rooms, our locker rooms, our gym rooms. Yes. Our courtrooms, our, our cop cars, let's let's speak mm. because life and death is in the power of our tongue. Yes. Right. And, and, and so, you know, um, my last quote, uh, because I guess I'll be, I lie. <laughs> and I say, listen, words heal. Words help more than we know. Mm. And they hurt more than we show. Mm. Hey. Yeah. And so I need to hear something. Yeah. May we hear something yeah. that kingdom ambassadors will say something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Amen. Guys, this has felt, uh, this has felt holy. Yeah. Um, mm. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I just so appreciate each of you. I wonder, Jeremiah, would you, uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I feel too. So would you, would you lead us in prayer? And I just I ask you because. Uh, you're a white man who's a who's a who's a father of black kids, and I just wonder if you'd pray like from the father's heart yeah. uh, over this situation, over Atlanta, Canada, over the church. Just uh, if you could let him lead you, mm. we'll, we'll agree with you. Mm. Thank you that we are privileged to call you our father. Mm. Some don't didn't have an earthly father. Some had a great earthly father. And even those of us that strive to be an example of you to our children, we still fall short of how good you are, God. Mm. For those that did not know their father, may they know you as their heavenly father. And may healing come to their heart. May they know that the King of Kings, mm -hmm. the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, mm. the creator of the heavens and the earth, mm. created them in their mother's womb. Yes. When in the in the genealogy in Matthew, it says that da Solomon was begotten by David with the wife of Uriah. Mm. It, he came from an unholy alliance. And yet he, I believe it was there in scripture to let us know it doesn't matter how you came into the earth. It doesn't matter how the world yes. sees you. Hmm. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Jesus. In your mother's womb, I formed you and I yes. knew you together. Yes. And I made you the person that you truly are. 
when people look down at you because of your skin color. It's what I say about you that has the last word. Mm. People look down at you because of your gender, because of your economic status. It's me who formed you inside of your mother's womb. And I called you and I ordained you. I gifted you and I equipped you and I put you in the earth for such a time as this. I pray that we would have the image of God, that we would understand who you say we are. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are the redeemed of the Lord, washed in the blood of the lamb from from every tongue, from every race, from every nation. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus against principalities and powers and those things that incite hatred and racism and try to influence the minds of people. We pray for healing of hearts. We pray for the Father's heart to be seen. I pray for those that feel undignified, that dignity would be restored back in Jesus' name. For those that have taken on the image of the negative things that have been spoken over there, black men who have constantly been bombarded with negative images of who they are, may they hear the word of God speaking into their heart, that they are a man of God, that they're a man of value, that they have significance, they have they contribute to our society. For those who've been looked down upon, Father, we pray that you would be their glory and the lifter of their head in Jesus' name, that their head would be lifted up to see who it is that you call them to be what you've Mm. declared over them father we together as men of god declare over atlantic canada that a mighty move of god would come prophesy to the wind to blow from the east and from the north and from the south and we declare that the dead bones can live can come broken dreams where there's shattered relationships where there is hatred healing can come in the name of jesus and we pray father for a mighty move of god i pray god these relationships we would keep them strong in you that we would support one another that we would be there for one another and that we would stand together god i don't know what you're gonna do exactly but i envision gatherings of multiple races and people just declaring the goodness of god magnifying god and seeing bodies healed and lives transformed and changed father we believe that you're up to something and i pray for all of us here and the many other men and women that lead the church that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in this hour and Mm. that we would follow what he is saying and that it would bring transformation to our world. And so God, today again, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you and we thank you, God, that you've changed us and you're changing us and you continue to change us. We are the the clay and you are the potter. Mold and make us into what you want us to be and we will give you the praise and the glory. We have hope because of you. We have faith because of you we have joy even in the midst of a dark time because the light of the world has come into this earth and we thank you for him his name is jesus yes it is that is above every other name yes it is the name of hallelujah into every negative situation you gotta bow to the name of jesus yes Yes, you do yes amen amen it is okay to be clay Hey! Hey! <laughs> it's okay, gentlemen, to be clay. <laughs> Thank you so flat, much, you flat, guys. Then he flat. All right. Thank you guys for jumping on this conversation. It has been uh, a blessing mm. to my heart, and I just pray that uh, for the people that got to watch this or listen, uh, I pray that that's the same for you as well. So I appreciate each one of you guys. Thank you so much, uh, and we will uh, we'll be in touch.